Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday afternoon, which means it is time for Splash Play, and we have a special episode today as Chris Spaggs and I continue rifling through our big board of show ideas. What do we have in store, Chris? Well, today is a big day for us. Pete, not much of a wrestling fan, but I I would say a borderline wrestling historian, and it's WrestleMania week. The crossover between football players and pro wrestling has been there for decades, maybe even centuries. Who knows? We're going to watch some of the best matches, some of the worst matches. And I think Pete's going to be intrigued by the culture around it all. So let's get into it on this week's Splash Play. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Splash Play. We are here for you guys during the offseason, finding all sorts of creative new ways to inject all lifeblood into his fantasy football podcast. And I'm Chris Spags, joined by the man who you're on his channel, so you know him if you're there, but also a man you have seen countless places, a man who has made more friends with more random athletes than I think anybody I've ever known, Peter Overzet. How are you doing, Pete? And how's your good friend Wilson Chandler doing? Yeah, I was hoping he wouldn't take offense to uh, seeing you uh, call him a random athlete uh in there but you know I, I offended him with my first thumbnail i created for the show he wasn't too upset with the photo i chose so i guess we're just all in the business of upsetting wilson chandler these days what, what did he not like from the thumbnail he said he did the first photo i did he just like didn't like the photo i think it was like an old one and then his hair looks different now uh i mean he was just kidding but uh i did redo it for him and i put a hat a cowboy hat on his on his <laughs> thumbnail the Wilson Chandler brand is strong. You cannot let that down. And the Splash Play brand is also strong. So make sure you are following at Splash Play Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We are doing this offseason content, getting creative with it. I'd say more creative than any other fantasy football show in their offseason out there. So help support us. Follow us on there. And of course, if you're watching on Peach Channel, make sure you're subscribed to the Splash Play channel too, as well as the Apple podcast feeds and Spotify feeds for Splash Play. Uh, we have the podcast going up shortly after the episodes air on YouTube. So Go check those out as well. Uh, Pete, we did have some stuff, I think, to talk about from the offseason real fast before we dig into the NFL player WrestleMania we're going to have going on today. And the Sam Darnold trade was a trade that broke after our show last week with Josh Norris. Kind of a weird one, I guess, or maybe unexpected with the timing of it all, but he's going to the Panthers for a sixth rounder in the 2021 draft, then a second rounder and a fourth rounder in 2022. And I don't hate the move for the Panthers, Pete. I feel like just taking a depreciated asset who was a number three overall pick a few years ago, even if they end up taking a QB this year or not. But I, I don't hate the move. It seems like a buy low move. Maybe some chance for him to rekindle the love with our splash play mascot, Splash Bob Anderson. But um, I don't know. I just really didn't have a strong feel about this one. It could go well, could go poorly, but it seems like a low cost acquisition for a guy who theoretically still has some upside. Yeah, I, I think, too, we were talking about this on Ship Chasing the other night, too, that there's still this hope that it's Adam Gase that ruins everything and that he's more talented than what we've seen and he's been held back by the system. And the Panthers do have lots of great weapons. I mean, it is an upgrade, a big upgrade for him to go to DJ Moore, his old pal, Robbie Anderson. Of course, you get Christian McCaffrey catching passes out of the backfield. He's never played a, with a running back at the same caliber as McCaffrey. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for for it. I think it's interesting that the Panthers uh, either didn't like this QB class or thought that the QB they wanted wouldn't be there when they pick because now to me, they're, they're heading to a situation where it's a little bit of a camp battle with Teddy Bridgewater, but based on this move, they are fully invested in Darnold. 
Yeah, I think it's intriguing. He's been a guy who's been kind of mediocre as a deep ball thrower on the Jets, but it's on the Jets with them sort of stripping his weapons down, stripping the guy that he had uh, the best connection with and Robbie Anderson off the team last year. So I agree, just beyond buying low on Darnold seems like a decent move. And I think the, the point about the draft too is pretty prescient because it does seem like these QBs are going to be going very high up and maybe people trading in ahead of them uh, just to take somebody that they might like, maybe safer to get Sam Darnold here. Hope that he can improve or just give you at least one or two quality years before you find find uh, that next future QB, but I'm intrigued here. I think fantasy wise definitely takes a jump upwards, but uh, more of a player to watch than before. One other question I had for you, Pete, and I don't know if that you, if you dug too that deeply in it, cause I feel like you didn't really have um, any players who you really planted a flag on the draft show. We did last week with Josh Norris, but is there any feedback for you from the draft show? Cause the one thing that I found was that there's a lot more Justin Fields love out there that found me as a result of us talking about that. And just, I think me being more aware too, like this, this hurt me a little cause we've talked about this on some of the shows, but Bill Simmons, I, I've had an on and off relationship with him. He's also a big Justin Fields guy. And that kind of made me think like, oh no, like am I, am I, am I on the wrong side here of history with being a team Justin Fields boy? Yeah, no, and I actually start. I listened to Josh Norris's new podcast too, and they were breaking down the QB prospects, and they were getting me more and more amped on on Fields as well. Uh, Pat over at Ship Chasing has been getting us hyped on the receivers. He just put out his dynasty rankings. He had Jalen Waddle at number two, which I think is going to be fairly aggressive across the industry as far as how people rank those wide receivers. So he's getting me pretty hyped on Waddle. And uh, Bateman has been another guy that has been fun, although uh, his pro day kind of threw some cold water on that just because he came in uh, pretty undersized relative to what people wanted. And it's been interesting, too. We've been going through these Wookiee, Wookiee, the Wookiee wide receivers. <laughs> the doable Wookiee wide receivers. <laughs> it actually ties into the point I was going to make because these wide receivers are pretty small because I <laughs> normally we get some six two, six three guys, but they're all like five six, five seven, And I just wonder how that's going to fully translate from a fantasy perspective. Are we doing baby talk all episode? Can you, can you imagine? Our paltry viewership would become even more paltry. <laughs> I think, you know, but we would probably find some fetishists out there who just love to see Hugo <laughs> talking the like a- we, we find a corner of it's like the ASMR baby YouTube is just like the biggest fans and we just grow that community. We just like watching these two guys talk in baby voices for an hour. There honestly probably is a, a niche out there where it's like fancy football, but with a little bit of fetish thrown in. <laughs> we talk like babies and wear diapers. <laughs> I haven't been afraid of like hyper specific niches within fantasy, and this one would definitely be the weirdest one. I feel yeah. like the it would end up with us though, like being like naked and wearing diapers while doing the show too. It just get really, really bizarre. It adds a whole new definition to best ball in the offseason. <laughs> boys showing up for, for baby talk. But I guess that's a question I have for you, too, because I, I feel like you've done some best ball stuff. But when does best ball really ramp up for you? Because I feel like doing it now is a little bit too dicey. But after the draft where you know where these guys are going, I presume that's going to be you know prime Pete or really just general best ball time. Yeah, I know uh, we got some of the guys in the chat. I know they've been doing some best ball drafts over on Underdog already. I've been both distracted and, like you said, it's kind of hard to to dive in. I think if you're really up on the rookies, you can get some really good values. Um, but I'm just not entrenched in it in a way where I'd be able to take advantage. So, yeah, after the NFL draft, that's when I get excited about my dynasty rookie drafts. That's when the best ball stuff really starts to come into form because we've seen – I don't think there's as many transcendent talents in this rookie class where you just feel like I can play, I can draft them no matter where they go um, Mm -hmm. to where they are very landing spot dependent. And so it's just lots of minds uh, if you're drafting now. So yeah, I want to see where they land and then we'll, uh, we'll start rocking the best ball drafts. 
And I would say too, just anecdotally from last year, like Jerry Judy, I know I've seen some tape watchers out there who are breaking down the Bama guys just being like, hey, Jerry Judy was a guy that, you know, they liked even more last year and, you know, where they were so into him and then he ended up in Denver and, you know, was fine. I think had some good games here and there, but really wasn't the upside player because he's playing with Drew Locke, playing with a bunch of weapons. So I agree. I think, you know, trying to wait a little bit longer if you can. I know we have some guys in the chat who are advocating saying now's the time. Our boy, Eric Belair, I'm sure dying to, to play some best ball, but I do think you get a little more educated, a little more uh, smart about the possibilities when you just know what the roster is going to look like. These guys are going to be on and who's throwing to them, that type of stuff. So that'd be my lean there. Um, also, Nick saying this is our OnlyFans idea. Honestly, we, we did talk about doing some Only Bros content earlier just as a bit, and uh, maybe that's it. Just putting on some diapers and giving out our best fantasy football plays. <laughs> I can't even imagine. <laughs> what I a like turn. <laughs> I don't even like, how would we even market that? Because anyone watching now is not going to go watch... I, oh, maybe Reddit. It, we got to go to Reddit. Gotta we got to go, like go to Reddit. Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> adult baby Reddit, r slash adult babies. <laughs> the fantasy football show for babies. <laughs> <laughs> for, 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 for adult babies. So we, <laughs> only grown babies here. That's the only ones we want. I absolutely hate it. I will not. I mean, I don't know how much money people make on OnlyFans, but I think the number I would need to do this is pretty astronomical. Do you remember the Cash Me Outside girl who went viral from yeah. Dr. Phil? Yeah. So like she had an OnlyFans this week and she's been like, she's now over 18 to be clear. So let's let's get that out there. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, not financial advice. But she is a, she is a, a rapper now or has like been a rapper for a few years, I guess, to some degree of success. And I think she made uh, $1.4 million off OnlyFans in her first 24 hours. And it's like through the combination of some subscriptions plus tips plus whatever premium thing she was sending i guess wow. so yeah so, i mean if the adult baby market's that big then <laughs> sign me up put a pacifier right here and i'll do it i'll whoop, 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 i'll do whatever you want i'll laugh at keys jiggling i mean i've i've been only drinking one night a week i've tightened up my diet i'm trying to get back in shape for summer and by summer i mean launching our fantasy football for adult baby show <laughs> And I've been eating a lot of ice cream. So we're all in prime condition. I could be the cherubic baby with a little arrow, like a little Cupid style baby. And Pete could be the ripped baby, bringing a little something for everybody. <laughs> the ripped baby. All right, let's get it. Actually, one thing we should touch on real fast, which is not football related, but did happen right before the show. I don't know if this matters to you. I assume it does based on just what I know of you, Pete, but DMX dying, one of those sad ones. I feel like I always sad to see somebody dying young, obviously, but um, just kind of bummed me out. I, I did grow up loving DMX. I enjoyed the, his bar barking dog uh, atmosphere and the vibe. The I enjoyed the whole thing. Uh, all, all the impressions today, baby and DMX coming out. Um, but I just, just a sad one. I don't know if you have any strong thoughts here because I'm not one of those like, oh, let's talk about the person who died to make it about me. I just the guy that I grew up with and it's just sad seeing him go young and kind of go you know, sputtering out over the last few years. Yeah, no, I think, pro you know, for people our age, he was, you know, in that batch of artists, you know, when I was first illegally downloading, you know, MP3s from Kazaa and LimeWire, you know, you had a, a batch of DMX songs. Uh, and he was just one of those kind of uh, rappers that, you know, 90s white boys uh, sure love to crank and feel much cooler than we actually were. So, yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. I saw like the clip from his manager last night that was pretty sad because he was telling people to stop saying that DMX had died because he was still on life support. And I guess that was hard for the family to kind of see all of that stuff on, on Twitter. So, yeah, definitely... Um, Definitely sad news. Always, well, I mean, way too young for a guy. I mean, how old was he? 50. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah 50. I mean, definitely, you know, it feels like he's been around forever because he has been around forever for most of us who kind of grew up in that same generation. But I definitely just one I wanted to give a quick mention to you because I don't know where else I'm going to say I'm a little bit sad about DMX dying. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's definitely tough. Anybody going young, but definitely a, a cultural impact for DMX that will last. And uh, condolences to his family, whatever. I clearly had a tough week or so uh, dealing with the viral things. Let's get into our, our core premise of this episode. The NFL player WrestleMania, some of the best and worst matches that we're going to have here. And guys, hit that like button here with your watching on Pete's channel, watch it on the Splash Play channel. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, especially Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and a review. Helps us out a bunch on there as we try to keep making some decent content for you guys in the offseason. And I think this week, Pete, this is WrestleMania week, and I'm going to ask you, I guess I'll give my background first. Uh, I grew up liking wrestling. I worked for WWE. My first job out of college was as a publicity coordinator for there, so I met a lot of the guys who were uh, somewhat prominent in the 2000, mid-2000 era at that point. And um, I, I have a lot of respect for it as an American art form. It's you know also a global one too. But this is a, a you know a sport slash entertainment thing that Abe Lincoln was a pro wrestler at one point. I think it's a lot of interesting things historically that it's it's trashy too. But I think that's sort of what America is a, a mix of the um, culturally intertwined with the trashy, with the the spectacle, the excess, all those things and. I think, too, the one thing a lot of people don't get from when they're watching wrestling is that, it, A, it's like requires a lot of athleticism, but B, it requires the improv. You're dealing with a crowd. You're working with the guy you're doing a match with and sort of going, uh, for the most part, you're doing it as you call it on the fly. So, like, these guys are talking to themselves during the match. They're reacting based upon the crowd. There's, like, a lot of things that I feel like, Pete, you might actually appreciate as a man who, who likes to lift weights and likes to do improv. I feel like all these things could have checked out for you if you had taken another career path. No, it is it is interesting because I I never got super big into it. I think partly too because a lot of my friends were never into it, so I didn't have those things. But when you break down the elements of it, yeah, it it checks all of those boxes for me, especially some of the backstories and how um how long that these stories play out. Uh and like you said, the improvisational elements, all of it, uh, you know, staying in character, uh, the improvisation. Yeah. So I I'm intrigued by wrestling. Uh, I, it's always been one of those things where I was like, if I had a million hours in the day, I could see myself getting really into it. And I'm excited for you to kind of walk me through um, the crossovers here for NFL players and their wrestling debuts. And Jason Cabrera in the chat asking if I ever met Vince McMahon. I did, in fact, meet Vince McMahon a few times and worked on the same floor as him uh, when I was there. One time I actually had to set up um, it was some satellite interview for something. And I think this is actually at the time uh, which led to me leaving. And this is a downer way to introduce the concept. But uh, Chris Benoit, if you guys know that situation, a wrestler who had a really bad CTE also was like pounding PEDs in a, in a way that was not ideal. Um, he was uh, ended up killing his wife and child. Again, grisly thing, just have to say it because it's what happened there. And then basically uh, when that happened, I had to do a satellite interview with Vince and was very polite with him and, you know, was like spent some time with him and he was like, you know, didn't share a ton of conversation or anything, but just a, a super intimidating guy. And now he's a little bit older, I think, uh, losing a little bit on his fastball in terms of what you can see uh, when he does interviews now and all that stuff. But uh, definitely a force of a human being and an interesting guy and a gigantic man as well as, as you might expect all these dudes to be. But I think it's interesting because of you know the crossover with football here. It's WrestleMania week. And Pete, the first clip that I put on our little run sheet here is an interesting one because so there's like a lot of old school wrestling guys, guys like 
Ernie Ladd, Wahoo McDaniel. Those are names that maybe somebody out there knows probably more if you're a long-term wrestling fan. Those guys were like 50s and 60s football players who transitioned over. Not the biggest names, but you know they're big body dudes. That's what wrestling wants. They want big guys. So the crossover with football players and wrestlers makes sense. The big guy, though, who made this sort of all start to become a bit more mainstream was Lawrence Taylor. And you can see the video that Pete pulled up here that's hopefully small enough that we won't get copyright strikes. And um, might actually be worth pulling the audio up because yeah. I think it was pretty good. I can do audio here. Can you hear that? There we go. As the New York Giants swaggered boisterously to the squared circle, a curtain of muscle formed a menacing tableau at ringside. I love the narration, too. They went for the NFL film style here. Yeah, it is total NFL film. <laughs> no surrender. A fierce clash of brute force ensued. I love how he's like wearing his football jersey. We must remind you, he does play football. <laughs> and he came out with all the football Hall of Famers. Like they really leaned big into the football parts here. And, and this match was like pretty good for the time, but in hindsight, like it was definitely a guy working who had just you know maybe trained for a month or so. But it's LT. You gotta assume he was coked to the gills here, having a good time. <laughs> how much practice do you think one of these players does? before they get in the ring here for an actual performance. So there is one guy, we're going to talk about D'Angelo Williams' match, and I think the training with him was they did two weeks worth, and then he still came out and did incredibly impressive things. You can see, yeah, this part is just the rest of WrestleMania. But basically, the Lawrence Taylor one was like a major mainstream crossover thing where I remember they had like a ring set up in Times Square as part of the buildup too, and we're getting all sorts of media attention. And yeah, like it's it's tough because, you know, like I think football naturally is going to trans translate well to wrestling because it's all about the contact, all about that stuff. But yeah, like for a guy like Lawrence Taylor, he probably did, I would say, maybe three or four days of training just because, like, you're probably not getting a lot out of LT while he's still in his prime wearing his, his garish earrings and all that. Yeah, I uh, I mean, this is not uh, completely related, but, like, did you watch the show Glow on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's kind of, too, where you realize, actually, the kind of things that go into, if you're a noob, to actually how to, you know, fake these moves and really sell things. that Because there is a mixture of both acting and uh, athleticism that you can't just wake up and know how to do. Yeah. And then, you know, there is still some part of choreographing as well. And, and people that like, you know, you're, you're planning things out in advance, like normally the way they're doing it with wrestlers. And maybe this is new information for some people out there, but wrestlers, what they do is they plan out the big spots in advance and then they'll call everything in between. So it'll be like, Hey, if you're supposed to go through a table or whatever, they'll know that they have to hit that mark at some point. Or if, you know, there's a storyline thing where this person is going to interfere, this person is going to distract the ref or whatever. They have to know that part. But for the most part, for a lot of guys, they're basically doing everything else in between. They're filling in you know, the music between the notes as people say um like they're doing that entirely improvised there so like if the crowd is is too hot sometimes a guy will like grab the headlock so they calm down and then sort of like ratchet it back up so when they do something crazy like there's a lot that goes into it that i think in terms of just the artistic part of it i think is impressive and it also is probably a guy like lawrence taylor they're like they probably told him five things to do in advance or like just okay just do this and just get these five things right because again probably yacked up and not paying the most attention yeah uh, and I assume too, like, well, a lot of times with even just regular acting, there's a level of trust with who you're performing with. I can't even imagine the level of trust required between the wrestlers, you know, cause they are putting themselves in situations where they can and have really gotten hurt. 
Yeah, there's a lot of cooperation. Obviously, when you're lifting the guy up, you know, you're not straight lifting the guy up. He's jumping up with you or going up with you or or like pressing. You know, if you ever watched wrestling, you could see like sometimes the guys, the guys hands are on each other, obviously throughout a match. But like during like a power bomb or something, the guy will be pressing up on his own. So he's lifting himself up at the same time. The other guy's lifting himself up and basically becomes like dirty dancing. But, you know, with with men and maybe that's another OnlyFans idea <laughs> we can do. But uh, it, it is interesting. And I think a guy like Lawrence Taylor probably didn't prep a whole lot for it but but came out looked good and the natural athleticism guy guided him through uh one thing though and the next guy we're going to hit on here and this one i think is more fun because uh pete you'll see in this next link there's an entire twitter handle dedicated to a former chicago Bears super bowl winner steve mongo mcmichael and honestly you might just put the audio up here and i'll, I'll, I'll play out defying physical limitations but the risks these men take are great so he was not good, to be clear, <laughs> which is part of the ironic part of them putting this together. Yes, this is entertainment, but the hazards are real. No matter who you are, whatever you do, please don't try this at home. So that that handle, if, if you go back, uh, these the, men the, the Mongo handle? Yeah, the that's our Mongo one. Um, I think, yeah, that should come up. So yeah, that one is basically what they did was compile little clips of him doing stupid things for uh, basically years because he was started as an announcer for Monday Nitro when WCW debuted that show. And then basically he ended up um, becoming a wrestler, actually won some championships and all that. Now they have some other just like other guys fucking up things, which <laughs> so which is honestly also enjoyable. To just watch. wrestling bloopers. <laughs> but uh, it's a lot of Mongo being um, being incompetent. I wish I should have pulled more. I didn't realize they were getting this off brand showing all these other assholes around. But basically, like Mongo is just a big dude who was getting a payday post football and then was not the most talented competitor um, who's ever done anything. And um, he also led to another guy coming on board of Hall of Famer Kevin Green. And this one, I think we actually could just watch full audio. Here's an interview with Kevin Green that we're going to play first. Kevin Green, a guy who passed not too long ago, a former Steeler, former Carolina Panther. And he came in as the uh, as, I think as a rival to Steve McMichael. And then this promo that he's going to cut right now is, I think, going to be exactly what we're hoping for. Linebacker now with the Carolina Panthers, Kevin Green. Welcome to Nitro. Good to be here, Mean Gene. I tell you what. I tell you what, I am upset like everybody is. Everybody. Everybody about Hulk Hogan. Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Unbelievable how he has stabbed all the little Hulkamaniacs in the back. Everything he's preached at over the years. See, he's just like a fan. He's just now talking about storylines. <laughs> it's like Hulk Hogan, how could you? How could you betray us like this? Then I find out he doesn't believe a thing that he was preaching. He had to be a hero of yours when you were a kid. He was a hero. I looked up to him. Heck, I was a Hulkamaniac. And then he stabbed everybody in the back. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's funny. There's like a manic energy to football guys that I feel like does match pro wrestling interviews pretty well. Yeah. I don't want to wait after the training after training camp's over, after the season's completed. I want to finish this tonight, right now. Wherever Mongo McMichael is, let it be known. Come to this ring right now, and I'm taking you down hard. I don't want to wait any longer. I understand you've got a plane to catch. How are you going to be able to do that? Hey, I've got about two hours for this. You can totally memorize this. I respect his sense of urgency, though. He's got two hours, and he's not gonna, he's not going to wait around. If I see him, Kevin Green, believe me, I'll send him straight to you. Oh, he's got to that training camp 
<laughs> Kevin Green, I mean, a, a violent hitter in football and then coming over to wrestling, it definitely does seem. I like his look, though. I like the tuck-in oh. button-down look. Like, it's very, it's a lot of things at once. Yeah, it is an outrageous outfit. It doesn't really uh, make you scared, I don't think. So then that led to the the crucial storytelling of the matchup with Kevin Green. It doesn't really uh, make you scared, I don't think. <laughs> so then that led to... The Oh, wait, what are you playing us? Sorry, it was uh, I, as I was loading up the uh, next video, it the next uh, v, uh, video queued up was us live right now, so oh. it was like an inception there for a sec. <laughs> That's right, good. Go I, I, we need more views, let's watch our own stream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. So, yeah, this is the great American bash. I don't think we need to watch all 12 minutes of it, that seems yeah. a bit much, but you can see the pomp and circumstance. Here's the entrance. That's also Steve McMichael's. Uh, then wife who then actually ended up in WWE and was uh, briefly married to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think that ended with uh, abuse and bad times. <laughs> so that's a fun fact there about Steve McMichael and Steve Austin. Um, but yeah, you could see again, the entrance thing like this, this is what I think speaks to me with you, Pete is like you doing an entrance, you playing to the crowd as you walk down. Like these are all things that I think fit very well in the Pete overs at universe. Oh, I would, I would absolutely love it. My, my, uh, my buddy, Jack <laughs> Settleman, on uh who did the house of highlights knockout contest a few weeks ago i was so disappointed with his entrance he just like walked out and waved and i was like man i i would i need to to do an entrance like that because there's so much fun stuff you can do with it see jackson jackson charismatic a charismatic guy but he's young he's got to grow into his skin of being able to wear a feathered boa and, <laughs> and sponsor through a basketball court i guess you got to be willing to be disliked by half of the people watching it for how cocky you're acting exactly um, and then here comes Kevin Green. Let's see. I don't. I actually didn't watch. <laughs> Look at that photo, though. That is <laughs> unflattering wow. photo. Fired up, run into the ring though in his Zubaz Ooh. pants. So he is, or no, he's he's got tights on. He's got tights on. My bad. And he was a Panther at the time, so you got to respect the team color coordination. Is this is, is Kenny Powers the ref? <laughs> I believe that's the Nick Patrick who actually would go on to have a run as a, a bad guy, a heel referee where he would cheat for uh, one of the, one of the organizations, the NWO um, who Kevin Green was so mad at, he would be in their pocket and then would cheat for them in matches. But also he does look like Kenny Powers. That is a fair Take, taking off the shirt. <laughs> He's going in the, the football stance. So this is it. I mean, you could see sort of the storytelling part here, though, where like they did a little bit and now it's sort of like, all right, let's like build. Let's let it go. And Steve McMichael for as you know, universally recognized as not being the most talented wrestler, like he had been doing it for a while. And that's the difference is like he knows like, all right, I'm going to slow it down to yell at the fans. I'm going to make them want to see him beat me up again. Then he's going to take some cheap tactics because he's the bad guy. And that's sort of the storytelling of it all that like sometimes wrestlers or football players won't get any wrestlers won't get too. But yeah, like when he like stomping on a guy's knee, that's like things that make the crowd like you, those those rednecks <laughs> were in the beginning of the clip yelling angrily into the camera like those guys are going to be fired up because they don't want to see Steve McMichael cheat against old their Look, favorite Kevin Green. Do here. you see the old lady in the Panthers jersey in the front row? She's like so scared. Yeah, she, well, she should be. I mean, Steve Look McMichael is going to bring her over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's in on it. 
that's a bit that was there was once um a tv special about like the secrets of wrestling revealed and then they would have they would you know basically revealing that it was fake even though everybody knew at this point that it was fake it was when those secrets of magic revealed things came out and then there was like a part in it that was like there's a stunt granny and they're like and sometimes there'll be a granny in the crowd who's <laughs> part of the act and and the bad guys could come up to her and then she's gonna be mad or he might hit her or she might hit him and that that was a classic stunt granny scenario love it all right, we can probably skip the rest of it, but you get the idea here. It's sort of, oh, uh, now he's going to uh, hug. You see, classic baby face, classic good guy. Telling her to sit down. <laughs> just sit down. Stop hitting old men, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's good. So, so that's Kevin Green. Then there was a, a big stretch here for a while. And, and honestly, uh, I feel like there might have been some more ones in between, but nothing jumps to mind. But there have always been guys who kind of come over from, from football to wrestling. And here's one that I think Pete might like called Monty Brown, who was in a wrestling organization that was like the number two one when WCW died in the uh, early 2000s. It's still going today, actually. But this guy was a former Bills player. I think his name was actually Monty Brown. And his wrestling name was Monty Brown. And his move would be that pounce. And he would also dress in that shirt. <laughs> he looks like he's dressed for the club, not a wrestling match. Yeah, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> He's dressed for Club Pro Wrestling, his new podcast yeah. on the yeah. Peter Represent channel. <laughs> oh yeah, my god. Look at these like these stonewashed, super baggy, almost look like Jinko jeans. That guy's still wrestling today. That guy's uh Ron Killings, who goes by R Truth now, and he's I think 50 years old and still wow. is like jacked to the gills and looks the same as he did in the like 2000s. That's impressive. Yeah, like this guy was basically a dude who would have been a big star, but then I think he quit wrestling because he had to take care. Like his sister died, and he had to take care of his sister's kids, if I remember correctly. I don't, you know, I might be misquoting that, but basically had to quit wrestling for personal reasons that were like admirable. And uh, yeah, what it was going to be like a very big star, but a lot of do you, do you still watch like the regular, the new uh, WrestleMania stuff? I, I do. I watch more like I'm mostly skim through at this point because there's so many hours of content. And, you know, as Pete knows and I know, like just doing the other things we have to do for either jobs or for the shows we're doing or whatever. It takes up so much time that like I don't watch it with the same veracity, but like I keep up but then pay attention. And for like WrestleMania this weekend, there's two nights of it now. Like I'll have it on and I'll, I'll watch it. And I'll probably make my girlfriend watch some of it just because it's like it's fun. It's the Royal Rumble's the most fun casual one. But like week to week, it's legit. I think now for just WWE. Um, 10 hours of content a week, eight hours of content a week. That's which, insane. Yeah. Again, their ratings are, are you know going down because nobody has the time to do that much. Even, even for like UFC, like nobody watches UFC events every week. Well, and even more so than you, I feel like UFC it's, it's outcome driven, right? It's like, what's going to happen. But with wrestling, it's narrative driven and how big of a storyline you can build and, and create manufacture the stakes. I just feel like it would be hard to constantly manufacture high stakes with that many hours of content. And that's part of it too, is that they probably could do better if they had like Game of Thrones writers, if they had people yeah. who were like, you know, really dedicated to the art of storytelling and they don't, there he is hitting the ref accidentally. So I guess <laughs> that made the highlights, the beating up the ref had to be the capper on it all. Um, yeah, like there's a real Shakespearean storytelling to it all. And I think that's the, the frustration if you are a person who watches WWE in particular, where, you know, it's like Coca-Cola, like you can't be mad at Coca-Cola not being as good as like, whatever indie soda brewery, which I know are a thing that exists. But it sounds like one of those analogies I made up, but that's sort of what it is. Like they're making the Coca-Cola, they're making the, the Mattel, they're making the, the mainstream product. And as a result, it's just like kind of ADD nonsense. Yeah, it is. Uh, it would be interesting. Who, who is the most like acclaimed writer that has ever helped script wrestling stuff? 
There was um so the guy the guy who went viral for the cinnamon toast crunch thing was a WWE writer at one point, Jensen Carp. Um, so that's I don't that's I don't know if that's esteemed. Um, a lot of the people they hire from reality TV or from like weird kind of like uh the scripted game show type stuff. So I, I think they're not necessarily getting the best of the best. The woman they hired recently to take over creative was like the head of IFC, I think. Um, so maybe that's trying to do more, but it's yeah, yeah. Um, also, why is Brian in the chat yeah. mad at this, but also calling out for wrestlers incorrectly? <laughs> yeah, I'm such a super fan that I know this wrestler, but also why are you doing this show? Um, I, I promise you, you can leave. It's it's okay. You, you can well, you can get up and, and leave. Yeah, Pete's just broadening his horizon. So Pete, actually, one thing which could interest you, and let me see if I remember the thing. Um, shit. There's a WWE NFC coming out, Pete. <laughs> Which uh, for the Undertaker, I think it actually yes. comes out tomorrow. Did you? Yeah. Oh, have you seen this? No. Yeah, my uh, my buddy Sal uh, tagged me in this tweet last night. I'll pull this up. Yeah, it's a bitski b i t s k y dot com slash wwe is I guess what they're doing. It's not open C, so I think you're not going to approve uh, at a partnership <laughs> level. But bitski getting into the game with Undertaker NFTs. Yeah, here we go. I am going to uh, to pull this up here on our screen share yes sal sent this to me uh no here it is <laughs> yeah, i think that's yeah that's the, so that's the same page it goes up in 21 hours i don't know what it is i don't think it's the same as like top shot this website is very unimpressive i will say that yeah that's the thing like uh not to get us too distracted on this stuff but it's like everyone's now trying to you know make their own nfts whatever which is is fine of course but like the whole reason the top shot stuff and the open sea is successful is because it's an open market where people can go and trade stuff. A lot of these that are like closed on their own thing. It's like how much of a market, how much actual trading of undertaker NFTs is actually going to exist. Maybe I'm underestimating the wrestling NFT market. Actually, if you click to the press release, you can see some of the pricing here, um, which is, I think, interesting. Uh, auction opens on Saturday, one-of-a-kind NFT featuring The Undertaker. I guess you also get a, a lifetime experience for two at WrestleMania 38 in Dallas. Uh, so that's, or I guess, or the one that's in Los Angeles, um, including two front row tickets, a personalized video message from The Undertaker. Uh, you get some sort of urn uh, from The Undertaker's former manager. and. Okay. Uh, yeah, and then you get a personalized. So you're getting a lot of shit here, actually. For but it's ten thousand dollars. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <platinum. laughs> so there is some utility to this NFT, which is which is cool. Yeah, you're getting ripped off a little bit, but not quite as much. I do think if WWE had like a Top Shot type type thing, and I think that's probably yeah. true of most of the sports, like it would do pretty well because their people love collecting shit. I just don't know. I don't know if wrestling fans would understand NFTs well enough. They're not following the Peter Overset channel nearly enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, good for good for Undertaker uh, getting in on it here. Yeah, I I um I agree that the Undertaker is uh well deserving of having the first NFT. Let's move on to Pac-Man Jones. The Pac-Man Jones one is interesting. This one we might want audio for. Figure in professional sports today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Adam Pac-Man Jones. You're gonna love the intro video, I think. <laughs> I like the the ladies. <laughs> well, Mike said it. Pac-Man Jones. He was just like, I want to make a rap video of myself. Can pro wrestling pay for me to make a rap video of myself? Would you? Because 
I would say most of these NFL players that do the wrestling are the bigger linemen types. Pac-Man, one of the smaller guys to do it probably, right? So Pac-Man, his situation came with the the um was when he got suspended for the gun charges, I think, but it was around that same time frame. And like they they wanted him because he was like in the news and he was also like TNA was based out of Nashville and he was on the Titans, so I think there's probably some personal connection that made it work. And um yeah, like Pac-Man. So Pac-Man was a weird one. I'm going to read this from Wikipedia directly just because I think it's going to sum it up the best way. On August 6, 2007, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling TNA confirmed through their website they had signed a deal with Tennessee Titans cornerback Pac-Man Jones. In interviews with TNA Vice President Jeff Jarrett, Jones indicated that he intended to wrestle primarily as part of a tag team. In response, the Titans organization were granted a restraining order barring him from working with the company at all. Prompted the two companies to negotiate a compromise stating that Jones wouldn't be allowed to quote-unquote touch or, t- or be touched use or be hit by any object or anything else that could injure him, but he would be allowed to appear with the company in a non-physical role. So this is him appearing, I think, the first time before they agreed to that. And then if you want to skip ahead, he might do an interview here, which I, I didn't I didn't vet this, so I don't know if he's going to say anything salient here. Okay, then let me ask you this. <laughs> Why TNA? TNA is a trendsetter. Pac-Man Jones is a trendsetter. <laughs> makes sense to me. Let's look ahead a little bit here. That makes you sense. You signed with TNA. I've got to ask you, what is your goal in TNA? Show the world that I'm the best team player that ever lived. <laughs> He's the best team player that ever lived. Why is he wearing shoes? Um, well, we uh, he's not wrestling, so he's just got to wear okay. shoes. Yeah, he's just hanging out. Oh, you see, and then here's the guy we were talking about earlier, Ron the Truth Killings, who is still in WWE now, playing a, now a wacky character who once uh, once went against Gronk for a title belt when he was in WWE last year. So anyway, so this results somehow in these two guys teaming up. And Pete, I think you can go to the next one, which is going to be the, the quote-unquote match they had, where it was after the stipulations that Pac-Man Jones couldn't touch anybody. So they have to get creative, and you'll, you'll see what happens. You can't touch it. So he throws money. That's could, I guess money doesn't count as an object being used as a weapon. <laughs> this is the most sad wrestling cameo. And I think, too, this was like it might have been a pay-per-view. I'm not sure. I don't remember fully. But I feel like it might have been something they charged people for. It could have just been a regular TV show, but they definitely promoted it like Pac-Man Jones is going to wrestle. And then he threw money at a guy and stood there and raised his his friend's hand. (laughs) And then picked up the money after. (laughs) That's such a sad look for Pac-Man. It's not the best look for Pac-Man, but he got some money for at a time. I guess he needed it. So that's the Pac-Man Joe's experience. Another guy who went to TNA wrestling that we talked about earlier, and this one is actually good. D'Angelo Williams. I yeah. he did it for reasons that I don't even know why. And it was recent enough too, where it wasn't the biggest news story, but basically trained for, I believe the reports were like two weeks and came out and was immediately, um, I think one of the wrestling reporter guys, Dave Meltzer said the best debut he had ever seen for a guy with limited training. You can see him having some fun here. He's doing all the shticks and antics, going against two muscle guys. Yeah, I think uh, I even remember that making waves that his debut was was very good. 
Yeah, maybe we could skip past these guys. I mean, you get the gist here. Moose, that other, the black guy there too, is a former NFL player, but I think had like domestic violence issues, so he never got to WWE. I think, yeah, just keep scrubbing. You'll get some. There we go. You're going to tag him in. Now we're doing the... Oh, hang on. I want to see the tag in. There we go. All right. He's ready to fight. Look in great shape. I mean, clearly the man is an athlete. I See, met, met D'Angelo Williams at the, what must have been the 2017 NFL draft when I was there as Mans. Uh, huh. He was, uh, I, it was, I waited in an autograph line. Uh, and then I didn't ask for his autograph. I asked if he wanted the man's his autograph and, uh, he didn't, he didn't find that that funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. He, I don't know that he's good at doing bits, even though pro wrestling, you'd seem to think that he would be. I hear you. See, doing some Wait, impressive stuff. Uh, everyone's saying the stream just got shut down because of in the chat. Did it really? Yeah. What? They say policy uh, violations. What? How is that? That's amazing. Hey, God, I, I want to go to, I need to go to YouTube to see what people are saying. Yeah. I People saying we're back. Who Wait. snitched? Wait, no, I think we're back. I, see I think we're okay. Maybe that was just a regular us fucking up. Maybe it was that guy who was mad about us not talking DFS on your channel. <laughs> wow, we got we're getting shut down there for two minutes. Weird. I, usually, if you go micro screen, I feel like it's okay. That's weird. It definitely will still. I mean, this video is for sure going to get demonetized, but I didn't realize we were going to get the uh, the rug pulled out yeah, from underneath. I feel us. like this is the most the most fair using we're doing possibly. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I might as well finish it this way. Might point, as right? well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he's doing impressive stuff. He flips around. There's like I, I think he does one impressive like off the top rope thing too. But like you could tell, like he the hard part usually for these guys is the little things like selling, you know, yeah, making, making it look real. Like he got kicked in the gut and made that look good. Um, but definitely, you know, super athletic here. Oh, they're gonna whip him in. Oh, that was tight. He, he was like, he was flipping around. He was doing the whole thing for sure. I can't imagine how sore you are after this. The training for it is basically you just fall on your back like hundreds to thousands of times each day because you have to learn how to like put your hands down at the same time. It's like you're trying to get as much surface area as possible when you land. So that way it kind of absorbs the contact all around. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see any of the fun top rope stuff. But anyway, D'Angelo Williams is very qualified um, and apparently so qualified that he he doesn't want anybody watching the video anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's keep talking about the rest of these here and hopefully not get any more <laughs> suspensions going because we got two more here. Gronk, retired last year, signed a lucrative deal with WWE where they thought he was going to be a full-time wrestler. And this is one where the audio is going to be, I think, crucial. This is Gronk's debut, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> Nothing says intimidated quite like that. <laughs> I like, and that's the thing. They want him to come in and be like a big, cool superstar guy who's going to like be able to have big money matches. And he just comes in like this goofy <laughs> asshole with, with his friend who is like a former football player too. Um, I think his name is Mojo Raleigh in WWE, but his name, real name was like Dean Mutati or something. And he played for the cards. Grade. And basically the like these guys, nobody liked these guys. And they was just like, they ruined Gronk while paying him, I think $3 million for that year or whatever it was. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. he just like Gronk just can't play a heel. Like he's too much of a goofball. 
No, and I think too they thought he was going to be likable at first, and then it's like, oh yeah, like of course nobody likes this rich man child. He's not even doing fun baby content. He's just a regular old man child in front of eighty thousand people, and now I'm here in front of zero people, and I'm still hype, baby. But this time, yeah, he also was the early pandemic too, so they definitely did not get there's money worth on the Gronk part of things. And here's a character I feel like Pete would enjoy a a guy who's a king, who's I think also a former football player. A lot of former football players in this particular angle, and I didn't didn't plan that, but worked out well, I guess. This acting is so bad. Greeted a very certain way that is the part that's cringy like if you watch with significant other and you're like oh yeah like just ignore this part this is like (laughs) we all know it's bad just we're good man i'm sorry okay okay i see how this is gonna go he's like doing a shakespearean monologue this isn't for you you're just a party guy trust me i've done both i was in the nfl and i'm here you're used to wearing shoulder pads knee pads thigh pads true he's used to all those things we don't wear any of that here in the WWE. I'm bigger than you. I am strong. So I think they were building something big or at least trying to build something host, big. And then what happened, Pete, if you want to play the next clip, is that uh, we, we only got, we got shut down like again. Everybody else <laughs> so it must be the WWE <laughs> ones. Yeah. Then I said, all right, so, well, fuck it then. I guess we can't show Pat McAfee <laughs> at this point. Um, what a what a frustrating bit. I, I feel like if you're doing a small screen version of it and actively crom- like commenting on it, like I feel like it should be okay. Yeah, I uh, it is pretty wild that it was showing WWE clips that got us shut down and not talking in little baby voices uh, at the top of the stream. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, the concept was removed too. Or oh really? Oh, it might have been removed on our channel. Let me look on mine. Uh, on, on yours, it was saying uh, content suspended or whatever. Yeah. Who knew that this would be the thing? <laughs> yeah, we got a channel violation. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll appeal it, I guess. I, are we still broadcasting? That's the question I have. Uh, it says we're live. Last time we came back, but I have the stream up and I'm not seeing anything. It's straight. So I think because maybe because you're, you're a partner, right? Uh, yes. So like, because you're a partner, I think they gave you the courtesy for our channel. They just pulled the video and said, go fuck yourself. Okay. Um, all right. Well, that sucks. Well, that's, <laughs> I guess, good to know for future exercises here. Um, I wanted to close out with Pat McAfee because he's probably the best one who's ever done it. Um, but, uh, and also a person I know who we talked about having on for the show. Good thing we didn't have Pat McAfee on for this because this would have gone poorly. <laughs> if we. Oh, it would have. Uh, I say we do this because we still are recording locally within StreamYard. So if we end up wanting to do a clip or repost or whatever without it, uh, the video, we can. Okay. Um, yeah, I think let's let's close it out then. So we, we've covered the history, the present now is Pat McAfee, who is, of course, you guys probably know from his YouTube channel, his time with Barstool, his time uh, doing commentary on ESPN, all stuff that he's done. And uh, he debuted for NXT as a, a character, initially as a broadcaster, then same thing as uh, Steve McMichael, but some better success. Transitioned over to being a wrestler, had a great wrestling match that I would advocate people go out there and look. Actually did two of them. Did one against a guy named Adam Cole where they did the buildup on McAfee's show. And then he did like an eight-man cage match with weapons and shit where McAfee like jumped off the top of the cage and went through a table. And it would have been a lot of fun to watch, Pete. But <laughs> It, it would have been. I mean, McAfee <laughs> blends what you want of like the high energy, the ability to actually act and sell things like just on a completely it's like what you would want from Gronk and I think McAfee kind of delivers on that 
Yeah, so I think that uh, I would have liked to have shown that one because I think he it is sort of the evolution of it all where I think as we get more more years on here, more more football players know that you can make money doing pro wrestling, whether it be the one-off stints or these guys, you know, transitioning when they're just they're running out of time and they don't have any more football in them. You know, pro wrestling, kind of a similar thing, similar competitive vibe. You get to stay in shape, but also you're making money basically being an actor. Um, I think guys like McAfee, you know, smart move. He'll probably be back in WWE doing some stuff. I think in the spring was when it's rumored to, that he'll be coming back. Uh, so I don't know, just a fun thing to talk about WrestleMania weekend before, before YouTube pisses on our parade. <laughs> yeah. I hope I don't actually get a channel strike for this because I believe the channel strike means you can't post for a week, which would suck. No, your first one. I think you're still okay. You just, but yeah, we have to appeal it. Well, yeah, I have to appeal it. <laughs> it says, yeah, uh, we will, we will see. I mean, uh, it was definitely worth it. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know what? We brought joys to ones and ones of people today and did baby voices, Pete. So that's, I guess, the sacrifice. Yeah, I feel bad. I don't get like our channel, you know, whatever. We'll appeal it. I'm sure it'll be fine. I feel bad with your channel, a thriving ecosystem of content. No, I got I think I'm OK. I got a notification that says due to a copyright match, your stream was interrupted. Streams are interrupted when copyright content is detected after copyright material is no longer being streamed. Streams are automatically re-enabled. Okay. And also that guy, Jack, had come back in the chat and said he went and uh, uh, flagged us to YouTube. So that's oh. what happens. That's what happens when you block a troll is they become stronger. <laughs> uh, although I promise he had no uh, he had no say on what happened to that. That was the YouTube algorithm doing that. That is wild. It's wild. I, I have always known that about the algorithm that I can sort yeah. of sniff those things out. But that is a. Uh... And that is incredibly impressive that they could do it live on the fly. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I had, um, oh, our, our stream, our, the audio just came back. I just see our, we're back oh. on the stream here. So, so they, they don't trust us with video yet, but we can talk. We can, we, <laughs> we can, can act talk. out the pro wrestling scenes. Smack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys will not believe the shit we were watching <laughs> while this was down. I mean, some crazy, crazy stuff. The first match between adult babies. <laughs> um, yeah, I am. I'm baffled as to how to even end this show now. Other than I guess just to end it. But uh, we had some fun. I would say if you if you're a person out there curious about pro wrestling, WrestleMania up this weekend. Not obviously not sponsoring this show, given the fact they're actively sabotaging us as we talk. But I would say check out WrestleMania this weekend. It's on Peacock now. So if you have Peacock, you can get it on there for free uh, with ads or whatever. Or you know, if you have the premium version, you can just watch it straight away. But a fun time, and I think the wrestling matches the McAfee matches are really the ones that I think are the best ones the full D'Angelo Williams match kind of interesting to watch and that Mongo Twitter handle I think enjoyable for just viral silly content when I guess they're not posting everything besides Steve McMichael but that's all I have for today Pete now that I've gotten your channel in trouble and and also I guess you know ruined our content too so a real win-win I will say just based on the numbers our viewers actually went up i think there's there's an intrigue to stream down you know the stream there's everyone like what the hell did these guys do so i appreciate you guys you know hanging around at that blank screen while spags and i uh tried to figure out what was going on here so uh i guess we learned our lesson um we've been post we've been playing like the clips you know from even the the youtube algorithm is so good that on ship chasing the other night we were just doing Twitter highlight clips of players similar to kind of what we were doing with Josh and they flagged that on really? Twitter. Oh, wow. I was going to say, I was wondering if maybe it was because we did the YouTube videos that it was like worse, but if they're flagging Twitter clips, that's even more fucked. I, I baffled by it, honestly. Yeah. And I, uh, I also have, I do have one, uh, I don't know if it's a strike or a warning on my channel from a long time ago when 
this happened to a ton of poker and DFS channels. I don't know if it happened over at Awesome O2, but if you had any links to like a poker site or a oh, DFS yeah, yeah. site, they they gave you a strike. Like it, the irony was the video I had, it was uh, like a comedic video and I was like doing a spoof link out to a fake DraftKings league and that got me flagged. And so yeah, some of this stuff is ridiculous. Yeah, we had the same thing where I think it was a like a Yahoo link, but it wasn't even a link to Yahoo's site to to do DFS. It was like to uh, the website just talking about Yahoo, and they were like they just assumed that it was a link to Yahoo, and then I uh, gave a copyright strike. Like YouTube, YouTube, the selective enforcement of things. Like yeah, don't get rid of all the fucking MAGA outright dudes <laughs> who are just trying to they get get rid of people watching a clip and having fun. And I I completely get the demonetizing thing, right? Like if yeah. we're showing that, we can't make money on it but we, you and me can't talk about a video clip on a stream i mean it's so so ridiculous and, and on twitch you can right like twitch i feel people watch movies and shit on there and it's fine yeah i know people get away with uh with way more over there they're con i mean i think google just because of all of their partners, their advertisers, all of that. I think they probably have more legal risk with that stuff <laughs> than, than Amazon. Yeah, that, that little mom and pops. <laughs> I don't know. I think it just has to do with their tied into like the Google yeah. kind of search function. And, and they're too. getting money directly from those guys too. Whereas like Twitch is not, doesn't have Google ad services with all these people putting in probably millions of billions of dollars a year. Yeah, well, we, oh. we learned our lesson. <laughs> we learned we learned we're not allowed to have fun on this show. Um, what should we do for next week now that we know we can't watch clips? I, I feel like the Playmakers one is still sitting there. NFL draft. I feel like we shouldn't cover the NFL draft again until draft week. I think we don't know enough about it to really go that deep. Yeah. Um, also, we, we should coordinate, too, because I think for ship chasing, we were thinking of doing like a, just like a draft night, like live stream. And so maybe we can merge that. Yeah, I would do a crossover thing and then we could knock out two birds with one stone. Yeah. Um, yeah, we and we do. I think we're due for um, a, a drinking or pizza or eating pizza show. Eating. <laughs> we yeah. are. So we we can coordinate that. Uh, we got to line it up with my cheat day and uh, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> All right. So we got some fun stuff coming here. And I guess apologies for this one getting sidetracked, though. I'm glad for your channel, Pete. Now pe people are thinking, what's what's this wild card Pete Overzet doing now with his mid Friday streams? Yeah, I do hope people start calling me the bad boy of YouTube uh, <laughs> going forward because that's how I feel. You are. I honestly, you get in trouble for these things, and I really do feel like a child being punished. And I feel bad too. It's like, oh, I got my friend Pete in trouble too. <laughs> honestly, it looks like it's fine. As long as I literally do not care, as long as there's nothing that means I can't post for a week, because that would suck. Yes, uh, fingers crossed that won't happen here, but follow at Splash Play Pod. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on YouTube, on our channel. Make sure if you're not subscribed to Peach's channel as well, subscribe to that as well. And go to Apple Podcasts. Give the podcast five stars or interview. It is on there for you guys as well as on Spotify. We appreciate that a bunch. And uh, any final words for you, Pete, before we call it quits on this uh, copyright-stricken week? Yeah, no, I mean, I think we just got to get out of here. I, there's um, someone's knocking very loudly at my door. I think they're here to repossess all my stream materials <laughs> because as Frank said, the content doesn't belong to us, Chris. So we have just stolen content from the WWE wow. and now we must go on the run.
I didn't know that we were pirates of the internet like that, but boy, but you just make a post a 30 second thing and then make some fun of it. And all of a sudden you're right there with the biggest criminals in the we're Al Capone basically now after one show. My favorite thing is all these chat interlopers who are somehow in the bag for WWE. They're the apologists like, yeah, you actually shouldn't have streamed that. It actually, I, I pay uh, to watch that on the WWE. And when I see it stolen, my birds, my feathers get really ruffled. <laughs> yeah, you definitely, definitely smart to, to go after the channels. Honestly, like I've never seen a more, like I'm not, I'm no lawyer, obviously, even though you could look at me and go, that guy probably a lawyer. No, I'm not a lawyer, but I feel like I've never seen a more clear cut of like, yeah, we were making fun of it and talking about them in short intervals. <laughs> like, hey, that's fair use. I'm ready to testify uh, <laughs> in front of all the chats. Um, we, yeah. All right. We will, uh, <laughs> we will shut it down before YouTube shuts us down. Subscribe to splash play. We'll see you guys next week.